Hello, Meg here, and you're listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan, a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. This Monday, we have our gold and bronze medal matchups with Canada defeating the U.S. 1-0 to advance and play Sweden for gold and the U.S. facing Australia for bronze. Steph Young of The Athletic joins me as always for our game day breakdowns. But before we get into it, subscribe to The Athletic for all of our women's soccer coverage and beyond. There's always a deal for you at theathletic.com slash full time. I mean, there's a number of places where we could start this episode, but generally like I just my my one main takeaway from the end of that game in which I really did not feel anything was because it all of this tournament has just felt like waiting for this result after sweet. Like none of this has felt good the entire time. It was just when it was going to happen because it did not feel like any of this was, it was just, it was not good. It was not good. You just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And you hoped maybe they would walk the tightrope to at least the gold medal match. Right? Even if they didn't win against now Sweden. Mm -hmm. Sweden just beat Australia. And honestly, Australia looked like they had the better of Sweden for a while. So great. Good for you guys. (laughs) Congrats, Matildas, for looking better than we ever did. Even though you're still now going to the bronze medal game where we will see you. Yeah, this time actually someone is going to have to play to win. (laughs) The question is, (laughs) will it be at least one team? We we will not be getting a repeat of the group stage match against Australia at least because yeah. there is no there we have to have a result. So at least there's that. We're not gonna get that final group stage game again. Yeah. They and they both have different things that they're gonna be motivated by. Australia is hosting a World Cup in two years with New Zealand and I think they're going to invest in those two years into getting more bench depth. Um, I saw that apparently Sweden rotated, like was able to rotate everybody but two players against New Zealand and then bring back those other players for this Australia game. So they were almost entirely, not fresh, but had been able to rest way more than Australia's group. And so that's going to be an area of concern for them. Um, As for the United States... (laughs) Just trying to reclaim some kind of agency, it feels like. Get some control back over their own narrative. Just leave Japan with some dignity. Yes. I mean, I think it is really interesting because obviously there's always pressure on this team, right? Like, And and that is never going away. The expectations are always winning everything. That is just the history of this team. And I think that there is a little bit of frustration from folks outside who are just like it is not reasonable to expect that you win every single tournament but also no one ever said that (laughs) the expectations were reasonable to begin with (laughs) thank you do it i agree with you um but it is it's just it's really interesting because so much of what we have seen from this team right is just the question of when there is a failure of some type and it could be a big one it could be a small one right like it could be a one one game loss it could be a tournament exit like we saw in 2016 is what happens next right because the last couple very big distinctive losses that 2019 friendly against France where everybody kind of was like the sky is falling in right (laughs) 
That led to the 2019 World Cup. And then also the 2016 Olympic exit led to the 2019 World Cup. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, both of us immediately kind of turned around and wrote off of this game saying like what went wrong. And I think it's healthy to have that level of, we've got to, you, you have to like kind of try to pry this apart and pick stuff out that is going to be important to the future development and growth of this team. Because if they learn nothing from it, then it's just shitty. And we suffer through <laughs> this Olympics for absolutely nothing, right? Like you have to have some navel gazing in order for mm -hmm. it to mean something. And that I think is different than just saying like, well, they have to win everything. Whenever you have a failure, you have to dig into it like, Okay, let's say the space shuttle Challenger explodes on the launch pad. Well, you gotta go into deep into the process, not to compare a tragedy like that to not getting a gold medal, but uh, in terms of like the response being to dig deep into the process into every single step. So that means not just the Olympics themselves, but going deep into the prep for the process, right? And seeing where were we peaking, where were we tapering, how, you know, the roster selection process, digging into like the data, maybe looking at player loads, seeing where people were, obviously the mental component, dissecting where was the team. You know, if I were U.S. soccer, I would do interviews with every single player. I would offer confidentiality as well and be like, you can anonymously say what you really thought about the whole process, including like at least the six to eight months leading up to it. Um, and then start looking for where where should the red flags have popped up? Mm -hmm. You know, surely this did not just happen out of nowhere. And if it did, that is wild. <laughs> that that would be one of the wildest, like, team-wide case of the yips, right? Yeah, yeah. To appear out of nowhere. <laughs> and I think, you know, the, the article that I wrote in this first game of the tournament, right, where Sweden did give the U.S. like a test, we got pretty much the exact same quote today from Bev Priestman saying like, we played them in February, we got sniffs of what we could exploit from the U.S. Women's National Team, right? There have been warning signs, but I think this might, it's been coming for a while. This might finally be the end of kind of that indestructible nature of this team where kind of despite all odds, <laughs> a result is going to happen, right? Like I never felt that today in any shape or form that when they went down on that penalty kick the last final 15 minutes I was like well if it happens it happens but there was not this kind of you know 2011 waiting for that moment of someone has saved the U.S.'s life right now mm -hmm. it just never felt like they were capable of it mm -hmm. or even the 2012 like Alex Morgan's header yeah like extra time nonsense that is still, I mean, we'll talk about it eventually, but whoo, the Canadians, that is still lingering with them emotionally. Yes. 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 So I don't know. I just, you know, like I, I don't feel great about the Olympics overall. <laughs> like it's, yeah. but like part of it too is just, I think also so much of <laughs> what has not been enjoyable is every single bad performance has been when it's 4 a.m. on the East Coast. So it just feels like especially insulting to have to mm -hmm. to have to live through it. But I don't like I feel like it's very interesting because there becomes like a discourse about the discourse, 
with the team, right? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. there's a pushback of like, are you prying too hard? Are you not prying enough? Are you are you picking this apart enough? Are you putting enough pressure on Vlaco? Should Vlaco be fired? Should should Vlaco get another shot? Like, there's going to be all mm-hmm. of this stuff, and all of it's going to kind of like circle around into this vortex of like but what are we getting out of it and i and i think that there's not first of all like a we have another game to live through on thursday but and another <laughs> 4 a.m game to boot but i don't like here i think what we actually kind of need is what we didn't see from the u.s this entire tournament is some patience to actually sit here and think about and try to diagnose the problem which is the story that i wrote immediately following this game of just like we need some time to just sit and think about the whys, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And I think yep. the big theme coming out of the game, and Megan Rapino said this, Yuki Nagasato said this in, in her story at The Athletic, is they just didn't look like they were having fun ever, which is not right. normal with this team. Right. It, it, it's It's not even not having fun although there should be an element here yes it's important it's the olympics but you are in the end playing a game Mm -hmm. you're playing a game um it's that they looked at times so tight that maybe they were afraid uh, or they were like crumbling under the weight of something trying to hold up the legacy the expectation maybe i'm reading too deeply into it and trying to make it something that it isn't but something there was just like it was just completely blocking off their ability to access any other kind of emotional space other than the negative emotions yeah i mean i think you know one of the things that we were talking about as the game was happening too is (laughs) i think there's also been this much larger narrative and framing for this olympics too of mental health and yeah. how that is impacting performance, especially particularly in this Olympics. And what I think I have found very annoying at times about Canada, right, is that there is kind of this clear driving inspirational narrative, right? And that's always kind of been Canada's vibe for a while. But I also think it allows this kind of buy-in to a larger goal, right? And like, yes, I don't know if I ever need to hear the words changing the color of the metal <laughs> ever again in my life, but I think it it does kind of provide this bigger purpose for for players to fit in. And, you know, the U.S. Women's National Team is, I guess the narrative is just kind of perfection, right? Like that's kind of, there's not a lot of comfort there. I'll put it that way, yeah. right? There's not a lot of, there is a purpose and there is obviously like the Billie Jean King, like pressure is a privilege, right? Like you are trying to live up to those ideals, but also it doesn't feel like there's a lot of room for someone else is going to like catch you. Right. And I think that that's kind of where mm-hmm. a, that, that focus on mental health, the fact that so much of this team was kind of like built around the premise of like, Oh yeah, been there, done that will solve our problems. Mm-hmm. And then looking at it now from the like it just it does not none of this works in their favor. I think that's a really important distinction in that Canada had something real to fight for 
Whereas maybe the United States is like, what are they fighting for not to lose? You know? And you, it reminded me of 2011. So before 2011 World Cup, Canada gets put into a long-term residency in Rome under Carolina Morace because I guess she didn't want to be outside of her own home country. The players go to the World Cup. They crash out in last place. And afterwards, it comes out that residency mentally did something to them. They'd been separated from their friends and family for so long, they had kind of lost touch with, like, any kind of grounding element or, like, what are we fighting for here? It had become too much about, like, the process or something like that. Um, and then here, one clear thing, right? Change the color of the... And then this is where you're hoping, like, a big hook yanks me off stage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but they did it. Yeah. They did it. They're guaranteed a silver medal now. And so I think that is a huge mental boost for them as well going into this. They're like, we accomplished the goal we came here to achieve. And it's not that everything after that is gravy. They're going to be bitterly disappointed not to get gold after coming all this way. But at the same time, it's I think they're going to play with much less pressure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it goes right back to what you said. How much pressure was the U.S. playing versus Canada? And every single narrative coming into this was like, yeah, it's not really a rivalry. The United States beats Canada 99% of the time. So blah, blah, blah. They can look ahead to the gold medal match. Whereas Canada had all that good shit <laughs> to just to feast on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it is at this point, I, like, I don't, it's just hard to even be mad about, like, there's no, I don't know, like, the way that this, the 2012 semifinal, like, sat with Canada, right? And we've seen that. That's been a very big mm-hmm. narrative coming in, like, I mean, I think someone in Canada is, like, calling them, like, the London survivors from the team that was on the 2012, <laughs> like, I mean, like, it has, you know, talking with Shireen for the, the pregame podcast Mm -hmm. like this is trauma right and i have the same thing on the hockey side between usa and canada (laughs) but like i don't think that this is necessarily trauma on the u.s side right like i Mm -hmm. even think the sweden stuff in 2016 was its own kind of like that felt like a real bop to the nose right whereas this just has sucked the entire way and it feels like their worst enemy this tournament was themselves game Mm -hmm. after game after game so it's really hard to be like Canada doesn't deserve this. I'm not going to root for Canada. Like, of course, we're all going to start rooting for Christine Sinclair to win a gold medal for her career. Like, that's not (laughs) an impossible thing. But, like, their worst enemy this entire tournament has been, like, their own, like, just, they have become this weird shadow version of the U.S. Women's National Team. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at the Canadian celebration after the game, which I did, (laughs) um, the team is all running to Jessie Fleming. Obviously, she scored the penalty decisively. Mm -hmm. Great penalty. But off to one side, Mm -hmm. you can see Christine Sinclair and Desi Scott just like hugging the life out of each other. Christine's like lifting Desi (laughs) off the ground because Desi Scott is, of course, you know. There's a little height difference. There's a little height difference there. And then after as well, Desi Scott and Sophie Schmidt, like Sophie Schmidt is literally bent over in half and double, like trying to process what just happened. And those three are the three active players coming out of that 2012 squad. Uh, they did have, <laughs> Melissa Tancredi is there with them. 
because I she's probably like on staff as a physio or something. She's like a licensed chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Robin Gale is with them as well. And those are two players who were uh, also with the team. But actively playing on the squad, those three, whew, something like something like you get you get to, to like, let go of something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you get closure in a very satisfying way. And it's like, that's good. That's a good thing. That is a good right. thing. And also, fundamentally, I think it's a good thing for, like, CONCACAF as a whole, oh, yeah. too. Rapino said it. She said it's good for CONCACAF, I guess, even <laughs> yeah. while she was, like, wiping away tears. Yeah. Um, Canada played the long game perfectly, just as they planned it. They waited nine years <laughs> and for a global pandemic to make things weird. And then they predicted that the United States would have the mentally weirdest tournament they would ever have and took advantage of it. <laughs> just... Just like they planned. Yeah. Totally yep. makes sense. I do want to touch on Alyssa Nair because I think that was, <laughs> for since there's no video of this podcast, I've just literally very dramatically like flopped back in her chair, like holding her heart. That was, I mean, obviously in terms of game momentum, it, it really didn't impact anything. Like, I don't think anyone was saving that Jesse Fleming penalty. That was really the only thing that was asked of 80 French. So in terms of a game point of view, but everything about having to A, watch that long evaluation period for a listener to her being like, no, I got it. And then trying that goal kick and then immediately being like, no, I do not got it. And then walking off, wiping away tears, coming out after the match on crutches. All of that was just pure pain. Yeah, it like in terms of like pure on-field tactics and stuff, I don't think it really messed up too much. But in terms of breaking up rhythm, breaking up focus, um, maybe it adds even more emotional mm-hmm. pressure to the team because they're like, we got to win this for Alyssa. She came through for us last she, game. Again, if like we... as, as Pino saying, like she's the only player actually playing to their like performance level. Yeah. Yeah. Although even she had some boo-boos last game, but you know. So yeah, and they're like, she did all that for what? And then we goof and what now? So yeah, it just adds even more like, (sighs) yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think we'll probably be talking about this for a while, right? Like I think that is going Mm -hmm. to be a real topic of discussion for a while this summer and beyond Mm -hmm. in terms of, Sweden, Australia, right? As you said, Australia looks Mm -hmm. like the better team for decent chunks of this game. At least, you know, like this was the most semifinals are always going to be, I think, slightly closer, right? Than a group stage game. But Mm -hmm. still, like Sweden didn't necessarily look at 100%. Sweden, I think, through the entire tournament, though, has been the team to beat, deserves to be in the gold medal Mm -hmm. match. I guess just in terms of USA, Australia, right? So we know we're not going to get a nil-nil draw. But this is the first time the U.S. women's national team will actually ever play for a bronze medal in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of new territory. I don't really... Yeah. You know, one of the things that I pointed out in my story is, like, you have to both balance the sadness and kind of all of that like questioning that you immediately want to do after a loss that it impacts Mm -hmm. your outcome to actually going and trying to play 
in this game. <laughs> and I'm really starting to wonder if, like, yes, they want to win a medal, clearly, right? And and Megan Rapino was very clear after that, after the game about that. Is the bigger win that they actually just kind of, like, look like themselves in a game again before they leave? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they could lose but actually look like themselves, and we'd probably be like, oh, all right, well, at least we got that going. I don't know if it's better or worse if they come out in this game against Australia and suddenly they give the performance that everybody's been looking for this whole time. Because if they're like, wait a minute, you could have done this <laughs> the whole time that you were there, but it took like all of that in order to bring it out in you. I don't know if it's better or worse. It's better for them probably. Yeah. And maybe that's all that matters. Like our our little opinions and <laughs> all that stuff. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. I think Australia is also coming into this game hopping mad because I almost had a result. And, you know, I've said it a couple times now, you have to play the game that's put in front of you. But at the same time, you can't ignore that they... I, they can't ignore that they had a goal called back. Yeah. And Tony Gustafson said that in the press conference. He <laughs> was like, I'm still disappointed, so I'm not going to try to talk too much about this and then proceeded to deliver this <laughs> like, yeah, the, paragraph. The true coaching. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but he was like disappointed. Thought the game was good. He s- straight up said he thought that Sweden scored against the run of play on a weird goof. Yeah, it was a very goal. well. It was also like immediately in the second half, which is always mm-hmm. you know a real a real danger zone. Uh, yeah, yeah. So once again, different motivations, different things that they're going to get out of this. There's a lot of clashing emotional needs here. <laughs> clashing emotional needs. Yeah, that that pretty much sums it up, I think, just in terms of, you know, the narratives have to be fed in many ways. But, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of... I feel like ever since the Sweden game, a lot less has gotten certain <laughs> ever mm-hmm. since we've been going. So it's been really hard to kind of get a sense of like, oh, yeah, you can guarantee this result, right? Because also they haven't lost to Canada since Algarve Cup in 2001. So, yeah, you can't assume anything. Not that I think the team was, but I think that there is kind of that factor of like, well, we've always done this. We've always done this. We've always done this. And that's what I think now after this game is you get to erase those notions of what we've always done. And you get to erase that entire set of data, and then you get to start again. Maybe this is the United States 2012. Bev Priestman, after the game, talked about how you cannot keep rereading the same chapters over and over and over again. You have to write a new chapter. And once again, it's those like motivational metaphors. But guess what? It worked for them. So, you know, who's Chugi now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that's maybe what the United States can finally do here, which is get out from under the expectation that you talked about the weight of years and years and years and years going back literal decades before some of these people were like a gleam in their parents' eyes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well pre-Tierna Davidson. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Ex- um, And then try to be like, establish their own narrative instead of having to continue somebody else's story. There's value in that. There is. There is. All right. I mean, we're going to be talking about bronze medal (laughs) match now. We get that other 4 a.m. wake up. We're going to be watching Sweden versus Australia. So, like, we will be talking about Mm -hmm. these games in greater depth once we get closer. 
But are there any other main takeaways from this Monday morning? I think I do want to point out one interesting stat, which is apparently Bev Priestman is the first English coach to reach an Olympic final since 1948. Wow. And she's 35 years old. Um... (laughs) She's our our peer. <laughs> no, I so think actually like, she's younger than I am. So that's um, Bev. If you could just <laughs> be be cool, like just chill out a little yeah. bit. I think she's done a phenomenal job with Canada. After this, her her stocks are clearly going to take a they're going to skyrocket with what she's done with this team. Congrats to Bev Priestman, and that's that's my big takeaway for Canada. Yeah, I mean, I think. Generally, my my main takeaway today is probably, A, we all need naps. Mm -hmm. And we will come back and maybe think about this more. Because I think every game after this, we have felt both worse and better about certain parts of the team and the performance every single time. And I think there are some parts now that we are on this part of it that I feel a lot worse about. There are some parts where I'm just like, you know, Megan Rapinoe cutting in in the post game after, you know, Vlako Andonovsky gets asked, like, why does this team not look like itself? And she's just like, mm-hmm. we also need to talk about the players. Like, we have to take a long, hard look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I do think the roster selection and age are going to get a lot of focus immediately following this. But mm-hmm. that's only one piece. It really is. That is only one piece. And I also don't think roster selection directly correlates to this team suddenly looking like they don't play together. Like, this team should have chemistry. And we saw that chemistry plenty beforehand. And, like, yes, maybe execution wasn't perfect, but some of this stuff really does feel inexplicable in many ways. And I think that's going to be the big thing that takes real time to unpack the way that you said, like, whether it's through player interviews or or any of this other stuff, like, t- data is going to tell you some things about should you be putting load management as high in your priority list, right? Should you be putting squad rotation and, and flipping through players through the 18 and stuff like that, right? And the Olympics is a different tournament with bad conditions and this, you know, heat and humidity. Everyone just looked like they had stepped out of a full shower, fully dressed today. Yeah, it was awful. But how much there's like some like not the intangibles need to be rated that highly, but how are you trying to balance all of these things? And that the controllables. Yeah. Yeah. They they I think they controlled a lot of the controllables. Fitness is usually not a problem for the national team. Some of the players are a little older, losing the stride. You could kind of see the humidity and the heat sucking <laughs> the energy out of some players more than others. I don't think the tactics were necessarily that bad. Considering, like, in this Canada game alone, you've got uh, two tired fullbacks, Ashley Lawrence and Alicia Chapman. He switches Lynn Williams over to the Ashley Lawrence side and induces the high press. And guess what? For, like, the first 15 minutes of the game, pretty much in control. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. Canada didn't have their first chance until the first 14, 15 minutes had gone by. I mean, we did not get a shot on goal in this game until the 65th minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which was its Um, own special form of torture. (laughs) But, for example, you know, you know that Canada is going to try to control that spine. So, you know, maybe you're forced out wide and you're like, okay, fine. 
we're, we can play there. And if you see how many crosses they, they lobbed in, the United States is usually pretty fine with crosses. In fact, they might overuse crosses. Mm-hmm. But nothing really, like Carly Lloyd had a pretty good one that LeBay had to palm over the bar. A, a different day, that's the Alex Morgan moment, maybe, with the right. header. yeah. Late to say, mm-mm. <laughs> so yeah, they there were controllables that I think we saw like okay they're they're okay and then something intangible, just some mystery of alchemy or maybe they all ate the same bad thing that is still affecting them for two weeks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean I think that's that's the mystery and. You know, as as people start to talk and start to think about it, one of the things that I, just as we in the run up to this Olympics, I think we're really trying to stress, like we do not have access to everything that happens with the team, right? Like as much as you can report on, okay, Vlaco is going to make this decision. Like we have kind of seen the pattern of Vlaco going conservative with his roster. This is the approach. This is what he's saying, right? There's also now the flip side of this where a lot of this is going to be internal in terms of trying to pull back all of these layers and figure out what they are going to take away from it. And I think we're going to have to wait to see a lot of the payoff too. Now that we are officially (laughs) one game away from basically resetting the clock and moving into the next cycle, right? And I don't think there's any question that there's going to be turnover and... Mm-hmm. A lot of bigger, fundamental kind of identity work ahead. But this is not something that we're going to see on Friday. Um, I think we should also remember, I think um, the Washington Post reported that there will be four friendlies at least after this. So kind of like the fall. Mm-hmm. What originally would have been a victory tour. Right. They might have called it, but after now, it's like four fall friendlies. Um, and that'll also be an interesting point of evaluation. I think some of these games are going to be farewell games as well. Mm-hmm. And then we truly will flip flip into the next generation. Let's go. Katarina Macario, Mitch Purse, <laughs> Brianna Pinto, Trinity Rodman. Like, I know this is not an NWSL podcast, but she's doing wild NWSL things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm already trying to be positive. <laughs> Maybe that's unhealthy, but <laughs> I mean, that's I think that there is not a lot of overall reason to get like too freaked out. It's just the question of do we actually see this payoff? Especially as right. the competition gets tougher. Right? Like uh-huh. the effort needs to A get cranked <laughs> because now I think this is also the tournament where teams are looking at the U.S. and saying, ah, uh, yes, they're vulnerable. Right. It's like in cartoons where the character gets hungry and then everything they see turns into food. <laughs> it's like the United States just turned into a big, juicy steak. Or if you're a vegan, like a big, juicy like eggplant <laughs> or something. Uh, either full dairy or vegan version of carrot cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm traumatized by carrot cake because I'm allergic to carrots. And the last time I accidentally ate carrot cake because I forgot that I was allergic to carrots, it didn't go well for me. So maybe that's a <laughs> that's a good note to end on. I don't know. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I learned something about you today because I did not know that you were allergic to carrots. So you know what? We just at least we're learning things on this Monday. This was the U.S. Women's National Team's carrot cake performance. All right. That's a that's a good way to put it. All right, Steph. Uh, I guess we'll be back on Thursday and Friday because we get to oh, live gosh. through a 4 a.m. and a 10 p.m. game. So. But then we are free and <laughs> only, <laughs> you know, only to go back to slightly more normal life. Thank you for tuning in to our Olympic coverage here at Full Time with Megalyn Hand. Links to both my story and Steph's story off of the semifinal are both linked in the show notes of this episode. You can follow all of our Olympic coverage at The Athletic, and you can support all of our women's soccer coverage by subscribing at theathletic.com slash full time. Full-time doesn't exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. I'm Meg. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you later this week. Bye.